Welcome to Life Quest Liberty, live in-depth conversations with today's top writers, editors, and spiritual leaders concerning religious freedom around the world. On today's broadcast, we'll examine local and international factors that may be impacting your right to worship and obey God as your conscience dictates. I'm your Life Quest Liberty host, Charles Mills. We begin our discussion today with a topic that's been getting a lot of press as of late. Using contraceptives is one of the many ways that couples can utilize to keep from getting pregnant. But there are some who think that this is playing God, or at least standing in the way of His will. What do you think? Let's talk with Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine, about the pros and cons of not allowing nature to take its course. Lincoln, I understand the Catholic Church has much to say on this topic lately, right? Well, yes, not just lately, for a long, long time. That's true. To their credit, the, 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 the Roman Catholic hierarchy, I think, have been uh, morally consistent on contraception and abortion, divorce. You know, I'm old enough to remember where it was an international uh, scandal. What was it, Sophia Loren or yes, one of those yes, many uh, oh, yes. Italian stars, you know, got into trouble and the Catholic Church would openly condemn them, wouldn't acknowledge their divorces or their remarriages and so on. And, you know, as a fellow Christian, I can't say that their stance was morally wrong at all. I mean, I think it's good. I do believe, uh, and you probably don't expect me to divert this way, I do believe that the, the Roman Catholic Church's stance on abortion while I share the moral underpinnings of it, I think they've used it as a wedge issue to break apart political opposition and to unify many Christians and non-Christian groups behind them to, to reinstate Rome as pretty much the, uh, you know, the main religious player. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's not wrong, but I find it very significant. Living in Protestant uh, America, once Protestant America, and here Rome is really... You know, there's no one single issue that, that's stirred the political scene for as long as, as the abortion issue. And most people have forgotten this is a Roman Catholic issue. So they've been very successful. And now in the last uh, few days, uh, you know, here there's a huge imbroglio or furor, mostly French words that come to mind when I, or Italian <laughs> words when I think of this. But, but it's, you know, it's out of the ordinary. Yes. And, and uh, charges made that, that that the, the state is restricting their religious freedom. You, you know, you'd think that this was Martin Luther at the stake or, or you know, threatened with the stake right. all over again. Right. I wrote an editorial on this a few days ago, and I'll probably get into trouble with it because it didn't take the normal view. But uh, I tend to see it as more of a political event than, than a religious liberty one. And, and as a backpinning or a backup to, to explain it, it cannot be a really legal shift the very same issue that I wrote the editorial in and just sent it to press a few days ago had a wonderful article where we were exalting that the United States Supreme Court just brought down a unanimous decision, which they never do anymore. <laughs> I mean, that's almost a historic really uh, moment is. for a, a, a unanimous decision in a case called uh, uh, Hosanna Tabor versus the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. Mm -hmm. At stake in that case was what, what is called the ministerial exception but it's more than just ministers. It was really the right or the, the autonomy of churches and church programs and church employers and, uh, you know, schools and all of the things that a church normally would run to be exempted from things like discrimination clauses and all, all charges of bias and prejudice and so on in the workplace. Not that the state is unconcerned, but they recognize that to meddle with that they run the risk of tripping up the church's faith-based program. You know, they need to be free to pursue that. Mm -hmm. So that was absolutely affirmed. So with that in the box, 
it's just not legally plausible that this furor over the contraception issue is any significant attack on religious freedom. I mean, it may be an offence to religious sensibilities, but there's probably something more going on. And I think the something more is fairly obvious and needs describing, which we're going to do on this program, absolutely, right? Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. You know, that, that one of the things I've learned in talking with you on this program week after week and also our guest is that there's a lot more to something than we see. Uh, we tend oh, to is. concentrate and put our nose up against one issue and one aspect of that issue, but you're saying, you know, step back a little bit and let's look at this from a broader perspective. So let's do that. Let's step back. And Lincoln Steed, what is the broader perspective on this issue? I'll give a, a disclaimer first. We're talking about churches and church positions and so on. Mm-hmm. When you're talking about religious freedom, it doesn't really matter if your church says something or not, or if you're a church of one or a church of a billion. Under the law, the, the freedom of religion and, and the accommodations that are granted, usually in the workplace, they only depend on you having a deeply held faith conviction. Right, right. It can be out of uh, kilter with anyone else. So, you know, we need to accept that. But when we're talking about the uh, view on contraception, this is a very interesting and, and, and not at all uh, uniform story when you're talking about the Catholic Church. The bishops, the, the popes, several of them, and, you know, the hierarchy in Rome have been very aggressive on this. But the overwhelming majority of Roman Catholics don't believe this, don't practice it. <laughs> there's, there's, there's more than a rebellion. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, you, one, one has to see that there's been a, an internal political battle over this. Mm-hmm. And now it's spilling over into the public sphere and... And you have to ask, what is the Catholic Church trying to do? Is the Catholic Church no longer speaking for the Catholics? Is there is there like a division now? There are Catholics, and then well, there's the Catholic Church. Pope John Paul II had a view that, that American Catholics were, were uh, you know, one step away from open rebellion from Rome. They, yes. they needed to be brought into line, according to him. You've got to see that dynamic. I, I heard a radio program uh, day before yesterday, I think it was, with Kathleen uh, Kennedy Townsend. Yes. I think she'd been a governor of wasn't it Massachusetts. Anyhow, she'd been a governor up that way, but one of the, the famous Kennedys, a Democrat, which, of course, colored her comments, but a lifelong Catholic, Roman Catholic, one of the preeminent Roman Catholic families in this country. And she was defending contraception and, and, and not too keen on what the, uh, uh, the, the bishops have been pushing. And I thought it was very interesting at one point. She was saying how, uh, you know, there's great division within the church and the Jesuits, she said, uh, are pro-contraception and don't take the, the Vatican line. And so one of the callers, a Roman Catholic, called up and he says, oh, the Jesuits, they're not Catholic. <laughs> and I thought, that's, that, that, that's news to the Protestants. That. <laughs> that sort of says it all right there. <laughs> yeah. So there's very deep divisions on this. And, and, uh, uh, you know, we can't, in its per se, fault a church for not being able to, to keep a tight line. You know, we, in fact, could, if it's a good position, a, a biblical position, you could affirm the leadership for holding it out, even though many of their members mm-hmm. deny it. But the facts are they haven't been able to hold the line. So why are they now trying to, in my view, force the society through the state mm-hmm. to adopt this view? That's really what's going on. And why now? Remember, this, this whole debate arises from the so-called Obamacare. 
Well, I listen to a lot of right-wing talk radio, and they bring it up all the time. But it's fast becoming ancient history. When, when did Obamacare pass uh, the Congress? Wasn't that uh, two-plus two years ago? Yes, yes. It's long gone. And it, it was known what was there. I've tried to disentangle some of this. It's possible that, that one of the government agencies, and I should remember the, the direct agency, but an agency did it seems, repeat again the mandate from that. But they didn't establish it. They didn't bring it, you know, they didn't suddenly uh, say that, you know, this is a new rule. It's always been known. And then there were murmurings uh, immediately, and immediately they put a deferral on it until uh, 2013. So there was no situation right now where the Roman Catholic Church was even, (laughs) they were even trying to force them to do it. But what was going on, and it wasn't for the whole church. It wasn't for other churches. It was clearly, in particular, cases like the, the Roman Catholic hospitals and other hospitals run by churches, perhaps like them, hospitals that are taking mostly state money, that are mostly employing non-church members, and are mostly servicing the general public. Uh, or to put it another way around, this is a case of, of a church contracting with the government to do the government's business mm. Mm. but what we've known and there were i read an article about it a week or so ago uh, in some depth in a in a religious freedom journal it outlined that the catholic bishops had decided in essence to bring down the obama administration mm. and this was their wedge point i'm inclined to think that it has something to do with steering Catholic voters from Democratic to Republican yes. allegiance. Yes. And, you know, this wouldn't be uh, a shock to anyone. The church has sympathies. And at the moment, uh, two of the front runners in the Republican primaries are Roman Catholics, probably more significantly mm-hmm. Senator Santorum. He's running second but doing very well. He hasn't given up yet. Mm-hmm. And two things have been said by and about him. The Roman Catholic bishops said as he began his candidacy that they made a huge mistake with then-President John F. Kennedy as he was running for president, Mm -hmm. where he uh, uh, made it very plain in a speech to the nation that he would not entangle his religious faith with his duties as president. Mm -hmm. And the the bishops have said they made a mistake. They will hold the next Catholic president to his Catholic allegiance. That's very interesting. And Senator Santorum speaking about the same comments from President Kennedy, said that it made him want to puke. That's the word he used. I remember seeing that quote, yes. Amazing. So, uh, you know, the stakes are very high, and the Roman Catholic Church clearly, as any uh, church or or special interest group would, is is feeling the potential for some real influence here now, and they want to maximize it. Mm. And they do not like some of the stands of the, not so much the, the Obama administration, but as Democrats, they have some stands. You know, it's, uh, uh, contraception is one of them, abortion and so on. Uh, not that all Democrats support them, but they're more supported on that side. So there's a bit of a political war going on here now. At the end of the day, yes, there's an element of an inappropriate thing being asked of the Catholic Church through its institutions. But as editor of Liberty Magazine, a magazine that for Uh, many decades, really, from its inception, has always warned against taking state aid, Mm -hmm. that there's an entangling tendency when churches take significant state money to run things like hospitals or schools or, you know, things that have a general application to the community and that the state will tend to see 
is their responsibility. You're just the contractee. Yeah. And and here it's come home to roost. President Obama, when uh, when he first uh, took over, somewhere around the time I can't remember if it preceded his inauguration or was immediately after, but somewhere around that time, he spoke to the faith-based initiative, which would be, was begun by President Bush, and we decried it as a as a a huge uh, transgression on the First Amendment. But President Obama said that he was going to do it even more. He was going to make it a much bigger program, but he would require the churches to abide by uh, anti-discrimination regulations. Mm. So the the shot was fired across the bow. I think that's problematic, but it's not necessarily illegal or even in its narrowest sense, against religious freedom. It just shows the incredible hazard of a church stepping outside its normal church faith role and and the autonomy that goes with it, and that was recently granted again by the Supreme Court, stepping outside that and partnering with the government monetarily. I think it's an easy matter from history to show that many abuses, most spectacularly persecution by the state, of heretics with the instigation of the church, that is enabled when the church and the state join together, work hand in glove. doesn't mean everything they do is bad, but the ensuing dynamic tends toward a bad direction. And, and here, I believe, we've seen it working out big. Now, the Catholic Church is playing big time. They're not wanting to give back the money, move out of that public role. It's on such a large scale... And as I say, they're not the only ones, but right. they're a preeminent player. Mm-hmm. Like Catholic Charities takes more money than all of the other charities combined. Did you know that? Mm-hmm. They're a huge uh, user of public largesse. And I believe that with that indispensable role that these Catholic hospitals and other uh, educational institutions play, and most people sort of think of them as public institutions, yes, they do. the role that they're playing is so important that the government will not want to or is not probably not even able to terminate them even if they cut off the funding so they believe i think that they have the whip hand so with that whip hand they're going to say this policy of providing uh, contraception we will not go along with it you cannot allow it in our backyard and they're hoping that by extension it will die a death in the society at large and to me that's the reverse of what we're all talking about we don't want the state telling the churches what to do but do we want a church, in essence, telling the state what to do. The beauty surrounding the Caribbean island of St. Lucia hides a sad reality. Due to the decline in the banana industry, many islanders find themselves homeless and hungry. Some turn to begging on the streets. ADRA's Feed the Poor project provides meals to the island's poor, homeless, and neglected senior citizens. A small gift from you will enable seniors to enjoy one hot meal a day for one month. Please help ADRA restore hope in beautiful St. Lucia. This is just one of many opportunities offered to you in this year's edition of the Adventist Development and Relief Agency International's The Original Really Useful Gift Catalog. To find out more, visit www.adra.org. That's www.adra.org. Or call 1-800-424-ADRA. 
That's 1-800-424-2372. This is your chance to select the perfect gift for that special someone who has nothing. Thank you. We're talking with Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine. Today's topic is contraceptives, and uh, this is a hot topic right now, as you'll know if you look at the news as it goes by. I, and this just underlines for me what you've said many times on this show, Lincoln. Anytime you start combining these two, it, the solution turns bitter. Just every time when you bring, bring politics and religion together. So what is the answer, Lincoln? What should we be doing? To Should we just, if, if a Catholic person's running for president, should we say, no way, we're not going to elect a Catholic person? Absolutely not. I think it's a wonderful strength of the U.S. Constitution that not only allows for it, it's, it's mandated. Yeah, yes. <laughs> not a Catholic, but it's mandated uh, that it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. In the Constitution itself says uh, no religious test for public office. Right. Uh, no, we, we, it would be a sad day as the media are, are really uh, suggesting lately that maybe a Mormon can't be president. You know, that, that's very uh, tragic public discussion to sort of try to count someone else out because of their faith. Maybe someone of a certain faith acting in a, in a uh, bad way and speaking badly about religious freedom and things like that might show that they're not appropriate to be president. That's another thing. That's yeah. a matter for the voters. Yeah. But you can't be disqualified just because of your particular faith. So, you know, I think it's great. It's wonderful that, that in the United States of the 21st century, with so much anti-Catholicism, social anti-Catholicism behind it. Mm-hmm. I mean, there used to be a doctrinal reason for the Protestant society to suspect the doctrinal objectives of the Roman Catholic Church. That's part of the post-Reformation era. Mm-hmm. But, but today, I think it's, 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 a, it's a wonderful testament to the openness of, of 21st century American society that... that uh, Roman Catholics, uh, a whole different uh, variations on Protestants. You know, the Protestants are not monolithic either, and and, and a Mormon and and people like that can aspire to top office. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, it's not just nothing wrong. It's a a positive good. But we should not allow, and we shouldn't allow without comment, any church or any uh, spiritual group trying to strong-arm society and and, uh, the government. Now, this leads me to uh, a conundrum that I often face when I've talked with you and when I read the magazine and whatnot. What place does our church, the Seventh-day Adventist church, what place does a Baptist church, uh, a Presbyterian church, if a minister gets up and says what you're saying right now, isn't that minister being political? Uh, Isn't he diverging from where God wants us to be and we start talking about politics from the pulpit? Well, it's, it's a slippery slope. Yeah. <laughs> the federal government has an interest in that, too. They seldom intervene, but they have on occasion, and there's always the threat because churches are not supposed to be uh, uh, political in, in this. Well, I, I was about to qualify. You cannot help but talk about politics on issues like this. I mean, this, this uh, whole story, narrative, is nothing yes. but a political uh, development. And when you're talking about religious liberty... It always comes back to a political discussion. Mm-hmm. What uh, I think the federal government is concerned about, and I know we are as a church, is to stay away from partisan-type politics. Mm-hmm. And I've okay. mentioned this All before right. on, on this program. I listened to many hearings in Washington, and you know th- these are professional politicians that are, that are involved in our government. And very often I hear one of them say, oh, you know, I don't, I'm not being political on this. I don't want this to be a political issue. 
Well, you know, it's automatically a political issue when they <laughs> speak to it, yeah. and by its very nature and by their involvement. What they mean, and we do need to get partisan or sectarian issues out of the way. Mm-hmm. I hope I'm not just opposed to the, on an issue to the Catholic Church because I don't like the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. You know, that would be wrong. I, I hope I'm, in fact, I have to scrupulously avoid uh, coloring my comments on this because I may or may not be favorable to one party or the other. I like to just describe it. You know, at a given time, I can be very sympathetic to, to uh, a, a view that the Republicans are pushing another time to the uh, Democrats. Uh, that should be within our right. In fact, it's, it's, it's within our charter to discuss what the government is doing, what the political parties are doing. But we are not called to be partisan. And within the Seventh-day Adventist Church, Ellen White, uh, the visionary that helped frame the direction of the early Adventist Church, she was quite definitive. She, at one occasion, she said, any pastor or teacher that's involved in partisan political issues should uh, resign or be fired. Hmm. So, yes, I believe it's a good caution. We need to be very, very careful. And being careful is one thing, but is it really possible? For instance, if I was a Catholic and I had heard from the Vatican that contraceptives are bad and that we shouldn't use them, and then along comes a situation where I, I, for personal reasons, must use a contraceptive for my wife and myself and for my family, and and then a Catholic is running for president, and I don't think whether that Catholic believes in contraceptives or not. I just say that the Vatican says we shouldn't do contraceptives, and so I'm not going to vote for that guy because he is a Catholic, and I have just made a decision, a political decision, based on religious moral issues. Well, it would be very hard to separate that on your personal level. But we're faced with that all the time, Lincoln. That's what it's all about these days. It's all about religion when you look at political candidates these days. Absolutely. Oh, those prejudices enter into it. I'm just talking about our stance on speaking on religious liberty. And we can be bold to talk about political things not being partisan or party-oriented. But as far as people's prejudices, I mean, I I try to keep mine in in check. The voter clearly is indulging on them all the time. And it brings along what you've always said that, you know, we look at a candidate on what the candidate does, how the candidate lives. We don't, doesn't matter, it shouldn't matter to us, and correct me if I'm wrong, it shouldn't matter to us whether that person is a, is a Republican or a Tea Party or an Independent or a Democrat. We should look at that person as a person. Is that what you're saying to us? Well, I don't remember saying that, but I'll say it. <laughs> I, <laughs> I've heard I, you course, say something like I, that. I, I, I think it's very <laughs> unlikely. I won't name anybody, but the candidate who has flitted like the... What was the king in uh, the king and I says, you know, the, the man is like the bee flitting from flower to flower. <laughs> you know, I think a candidate who is ch- changes his his marital loyalties that easily yeah. probably is not a safer bet on, on his political loyalties or to the constituency, if not to his party, than, mm. than, than, than he is to that. I mean, okay. if, I don't think it's wrong to deduce from personal behavior how someone uh, will, will govern. We, do, we all do that sort of thing. But I do think it's very wrong, as, as people do, to just say, well, he's a, he's a Catholic, I will not vote for him. Yeah. Or, or he's a, this is a Democrat president, nothing he do is right. Right, right. You know, exactly. th- that sort of uh, closed mind prejudice doesn't help democracy or religious freedom. So if you happen to agree with the Catholic Church that contraceptives should not be used and a campaign is coming up, 
Do you find a candidate that agrees with the Catholic Church, even if he may be a Baptist or whether he may be a uh, agnostic? Is that the candidate you vote for because it agrees with your church, or do you vote because of what that candidate says and agrees with what you think personally? I, I know I'm treading into dark waters here, but a lot of people are, are, are dealing with this right now, and especially these days. They're dealing with it very heavily. The fatal flaw in that line of thinking is that it's not one-dimensional. Hmm. If your church supports uh, 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 right to life, and, and there's a right-to-life candidate, you might think, well, I'll vote for him. Maybe he's not very competent. Maybe he has other positions that are more dangerous or as dangerous yes, or an aggregate. Yes, he yes. Would, it would be very poor for the country. So, you know, it's up to a person. But I, I think there might be some times when, when no candidate is really a great choice, <laughs> that there are compromises all, all around. But it, it does trouble me more uh, of late than usual that, that in the political sphere, people go to a sort of a litmus thing. The, on this issue, I love them, I'll go for them. And, you know, you've got to remember, and I, I, I'm probably running close to the wind because I've often invoked Hitler. <laughs> the, the German experiment yes. is, is very salutary for the Western experience. But, you know, Hitler was, was for the moral uh, renewal of his country. So if somebody in his day was concerned, as many were, about, you know, getting rid of crime and communists and all the rest, they voted for him. But they should have been curious enough to look at the rest of his agenda. So you could enable something very horrible just sticking to one single litmus test that might agree with your church or your position. And and the very least that I wish more voters in the United States would look at what the party stands for. You know, the candidate is a human being and a politician. They're inclined to tell different people all sorts of things depending on what the, what they think you want to hear, you know. But you can't get past what their their party and, and and the aggregate of the leaders at that time in the party think. I mean, it's it's usually fairly plain, and it's unlikely that that individual will skew from them. That's one thing with with uh, President Obama. You know, I didn't I didn't vote for anybody. I, I'm not you know I, I'm not in the political sphere, but looking at him, I don't see much connection between some of the. The uh, you know the far out radio programs that say he's a socialist and a communist and all the rest. Someone said you know what 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 sort of world are they in? You know, <laughs> he he seems to me a fairly run of the mill Democrat. Yes. And you can find out what Democrats believe by uh, studying Democrats, not Obama. It's the same with the Republicans. Okay. Well, it just underlines for me the fact that during an election year, it is time for us to spend a lot of times not just on the Internet or not just uh, listening to these programs, but also on our knees so that the Holy Spirit can bring us guidance personally. Am I on the right track here? Absolutely. And, and we need to be sensitive to the concerns of the Catholic Church. Uh, they have a moral agenda, and, and on one level, they are at risk of being thwarted here. But we shouldn't allow them, even with, let's just say, good intentions, to be able to project that through raw political power on a larger stage. Uh, the best way for the whole country to come to their view on contraception is to change hearts and minds and, and it, to work out progressively through a whole democratic process and who knows at one point at some point it may be public health policy mm -hmm. to think their way but it's not now and to to work against uh, the public good is not in the interest of religious freedom or civil freedom <laughs> wise words from lincoln steed editor of liberty magazine lincoln thank you so much for being with us today it's always a pleasure good 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 and listener www.libertymagazine.org check it out and until next time this is charles mills along with lincoln steed 
suggesting that you rest in the freedom of God's love. Goodbye, everyone. You've been listening to LifeQuest Liberty. To further explore the issues discussed on today's program, visit www.LibertyMagazine.org. Join us again next week at this same time as we examine more of the threats and challenges facing your religious freedom. May God keep the flames of religious freedom burning in your heart today.